When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. You can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of others. And when you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry on college football, which is extremely hard to find legitimate stats. They have them all, some of the best you can find. They also have stats on baseball, NFL, and basketball stats are on the way. Just $15 a year for a full membership, and if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that. It is well worth it. If you guys follow me on Twitter and enjoy the college football stuff that I put out there with all those stats, that is where I get them from, that website. It is well worth the time if you want to become a better fantasy player and see the stat side of the industry i would suggest you guys check them out you guys just heard the new intro there let me know what you guys think on twitter i'm excited about it uh we'll be running with that from now on uh got a little bit of freddie a little bit of baker in there you know those are my guys hopefully freddie lasts longer than a year uh but that's the new intro so hope you guys like it for today's episode, as I mentioned, Matt will be joining me. We're going to do just a little bit, just a nice, easy episode today. Uh, rough weather in Colorado. I've been on vacation, been kind of gloomy outside, though it's actually a pretty nice day in Texas today. Uh, cold, but at least the sun is out. So just a nice, easy episode from us today. We are going to jump in and preview the Thursday night football game. We will then talk about all of the big trades that have gone down here before the deadline and just talk about each one of them from an NFL and if there's really any fantasy stuff fantasy perspective and then we will finish it off with giving you guys our talks on the Browns and Broncos misery fest uh, that will be on this Sunday so with all that being said let's jump Matt in here uh, and let's talk about those topics for Thursday and we've got Matt with us Matt how you doing today how uh, how's everything been going the past couple days it's going pretty good. Uh, you know, we're coming out of the deep freeze. It felt like I lived on Hoth for most of uh, the first part of the week, but it's also supposed to get to 38, 39 today, so a little better for trick-or-treating. I got my old man mask and my bag of candy to give to preschoolers, so ready to go. Yeah, I saw a bunch of those memes going on um, of Luke Skywalker standing there with the, why am I forgetting the name of the... Tauntaun. Yeah, yeah, the Tauntaun uh, on Hoth, and it's like people in Colorado right now, like, hey, let's go get some ice cream, just like surrounded by snow and all this stuff. So yeah, as uh, as as you know, my parents live up there, so they've been dealing with it too. It does not sound like it's been a lot of fun for you guys, and I, I'm over here complaining about it being like 40 degrees, but like the sun's out shining. Like, if you didn't know how cold it was in Texas right now, if I were to take a picture, you would think it'd be a beautiful day outside, but it, yeah. Not been fun for everybody. I'm hoping it warms up though too, so I can take both uh both the kids trick or treating today. Is is I know that they've been looking forward to this for like weeks now. We went and got my my son his costume. I don't even know. It had been almost a month ago now, so he has been waiting for this day for a long time. So I'm hoping it warms up a little bit so that we can go trick or treating. All right, let's see here. So as I mentioned earlier in the show sheet, or show sheet in the intro, uh, nice easy day for me and Matt today. We're going to jump in and we're going to do the Thursday night preview really quick, and then we'll move on to our other topics. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm gonna hit you. I'm not gonna be able to do that. You don't want no 
for Thursday night, we have what uh, I'm hoping is going to end up being a good game, but I, I'm, I really don't think it's going to be. you got the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco likely will continue to be unbeaten after tonight. They are being given the 79% chance to win this game and are being given 10 points. So we'll start on Arizona's side here, as there's likely not many you're going to be playing from here. We know Kyler Murray is obviously going to be in at quarterback. David Johnson has not been ruled out as of yet, and we do know that Kenyon Drake will be on a managed workload. So if you have DJ and Kenyon Drake, are you throwing either one of them out there tonight, Matt? No, my Cardinals analysis is going to be simple. I would not play anyone on their team. Uh, It's a Thursday night game, not likely to be uh, very great. We saw what they did to a better Carolina team uh, last week, 51-13. to Uh, so I'm, I'm not interested in any of the Cardinals. Somebody probably will have a decent game, but, uh, I'm not rolling the dice on a, on a Thursday night. The Cardinals don't block very well. You know, we had wondered if Kyler Murray was going to live earlier in the season. Uh, Nick Bosa, I think was NFC defensive player of the month for October. And I think, uh, he's going to end the month, uh, pretty strong as will the rest of them. We saw with a, did to a better Rams offense in Los Angeles. Um, So I have no confidence. David Johnson hasn't been ruled out, but as Schefter said this morning, he is not likely to play. Kenyon Drake's been there for a day and a half, uh, and I would wager the air raid is somewhat significantly different than what he was running in Miami. So, you know, I think you're going to see Zach Zenner. You're going to probably see some Alfred Morris. Uh, you can see Kenyon Drake. None of that, uh, you know, this is 2019. None of that makes you excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the only person I'd even be willing to throw in a flex spot would be Christian Kirk, and I'm not even that sold on him. We, we talked a little bit about the 49ers and their defense uh, on Tuesday's podcast. That secondary is no joke, and, and I, I do think Kirk could have a decent game here just by how much he gets targeted by Murray, uh, but I'm with you. If, if I can avoid it, I'm not putting any for, uh, any Cardinals in my lineup for tonight's game. On the 49ers side here, um, Really, outside of Sanders, who we'll talk more about, obviously, when we get to our trade segment, I don't feel comfortable starting anybody in the receiving game. Well, Kittle. Obviously, you're throwing Kittle in there. But wide receiver-wise, Sanders is the only guy that I feel comfortable playing. Are you with me on that, or would would you bench Sanders tonight? I think Sanders is a flex option, especially with all the teams on a bye and injuries. Um, You know, he did get a touchdown. They did try to put the ball to him last week. And as, as we talked about earlier, it's not a big offensive scheme change. I also think if you're in a deep league and you're looking for a boom or bust home run option, uh, that would be Debo Samuels to okay. me because last week we saw him, especially if the game gets out of hand and they start trying to get tricky. One of the things that's working in the favor, I think, of the receivers is Brita and Mostert are both banged up and questionable. And while I think that gives a huge lift to Tevin Coleman, who I'd say is a solid RB2 with with upside, I think it may also give a little bit of a boost to the receivers. I mean, we saw Samuel's touchdown last week, I believe it was on an end around. So, you know, they're kind of a creative, fun offense. I even think, given how crappy the uh, secondary has been at times for Arizona, that Jimmy G might not be a bad deep two-quarter quarterback league play interesting i i mean i think if you're in a super flex he's in there I, i'd be a regular one Q, would you start him in a, in a one qb league either one of them him or murray no no okay. two qb or super flex actually i'm not sure i would want murray even in super flex i love uh kyler murray i have him on a team i've been starting him for a few weeks uh-huh. but you know we saw Last week, uh, Kyle Allen came in having never thrown an interception as a starter and just got destroyed. And the Cardinals do not, they don't have a good line. So, you know, that I think is going to take away some of the rushing opportunities for Kyler Murray. And we haven't even seen him run a lot in the last couple weeks to leverage that up. He's, he's struggled. He struggled a little bit against. The Saints last week, too, wasn't a, a great play. And I think this potentially even worse. 
Yeah, so I'm pretty much with you with you on everything you said there too on the 49ers. I mean, Tevin Coleman is is a lock and start. You're you're not even thinking about it. Emmanuel Sanders, I, I think he could have a better game, especially with as bad as the secondary is. One thing that does worry me about Sanders. Uh, is who Patrick Peterson is on most of the times. We obviously know he can be very good. It does seem like he's been playing on the si- his side more than uh, shadowing people here the past couple years. But regardless, if Sanders ends up on his side, I would be a little worried about him. But I can't imagine you're dropping him anywhere below a flex option like you said. So so he's got to be in your lineup. Uh, we obviously know Kittle's going to be in there. I like the Debo Samuel call. I don't know if I have the balls to start him uh, just because I feel like he's had a good game here, then a bunch of bad games, good game, bunch of bad games. Now, this would be the game to have a good game, as bad as this Arizona Cardinals defense is. Uh, but if I had to choose for me, it would just be Coleman, Sanders, and Kittle. I, I don't think I'd feel comfortable starting anybody else or, or really would, would have the 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 courage to throw in anybody else from this game in there. Uh, so with that being Except said— Except for the 49ers defense special Oh, yeah. Team. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good play. And for Samuel, I'm more thinking like you're a 16 team league with four teams, four gotcha. decent offenses on a bye, yeah. and all the injuries piling up. You know, you could do worse than putting him. You know, at that point in time, you're looking at your flex options like Grim, 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 eh. You know, so yeah, you might settle for eh. Oh yeah, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, on the 49ers defense, yeah, they, I think they're the number one defense this week. I know the Patriots have been on mm. fire. But they get the Baltimore Ravens, and then with with Lamar Jackson, how dangerous he could be, they could put up some points. So, yeah, I think San Francisco easily the top defense this week. Uh, since you're never on with us on Fridays, we're going to get a pick from you. Who are you picking tonight, the 49ers or the Arizona Cardinals? I'm going with the 49ers. I mean, you said they had a 79%. I would give them a 99.9% chance of winning this game. All right, buying all into him. I don't know if I go 99, but I do think it's definitely at least a 90% chance that they win this. I'm taking the, the 49ers as well. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! All right, so we need to talk about trades now. As uh, we talked about on Tuesday's podcast, we were going to do it then, but you know the deadline ended up kind of being a bust, unfortunately. So we're just going to run through all of the trades that have happened here recently. The the big trades. Uh, we'll, we'll go each one just kind of NFL or fantasy perspective. If we got nothing, we'll just move on from them. Because uh, really not a lot compared to what we've seen, at least offensively, the past couple years. We've seen a bunch of big offensive names move that could have changed things here and there. Not a lot of that this year. For starters, the uh, Leonard William goes to the New York Giants. Uh, we talked a little bit about it when it happened on the podcast, so I really don't have much to add to that. What about you, Matt? Now, I still just think it's weird that the Giants were uh, buyers. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if, if they end up paying, which we didn't know at the time, uh, we just knew that there was a compensation pick in there, if or a conditional pick. If the Giants end up paying him or giving him a long-term term contract, I believe it goes from a fourth-round pick to a third-round pick. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm with you. I still think Leonard Williams is a good player, could be a good fit there, but no idea what the Giants are going to do with him right now. Uh, the first offensive one we have on the board here, obviously Kenyon Drake. We talked about it a little bit. Let's dive into it a little bit more now. We, we already talked about, obviously, we're not going to see a lot of him this uh, or tonight. Even if we do, it's going to be a little bit scripted. He's only been with the team for a couple days. But moving forward, what do you think Kenyon Drake's value could look like? Uh, you know, we, we still haven't heard much about DJ. We know Edmonds will be out for at least a couple weeks. We don't know how serious DJ's injury is. What are your thoughts on Kenyon Drake landing here in Arizona? Um, I still think for fantasy, it's a disaster, both for people that were holding on to Drake, hoping he was going to get to a better situation. And for people who have the Cardinals backs, again, the Cardinals play the 49ers tonight. They also play them in two Sundays. Um, so that's a, a brutal stretch. David Johnson potentially coming back. You don't know what's going to happen with Chase Edmonds. And the Cardinals, for as much as we've hoped they were going to be a high-volume offense, we haven't really seen that consistently. So I, I don't really get it. And I, if it's a one-year rental, I don't really get a team that's kind of in rebuild mode, shipping out draft capital 
to pick somebody up uh, for Miami. I get it. You know, they're just trying to dump salaries and get draft picks. They're totally looking ahead to the future. I thought it was a weird trade of all the spots where Drake might potentially have landed. This felt like a weird one. Obviously, they're kind of desperate this week, but um, I, it is what it is. I just don't think it's going to be a big fantasy benefit to anyone. Yeah, I'm with you on that. On, on Dynasty Leagues, I still think I would hold on to him. We, we know he will be a free agent after this year. I can't imagine he signs back with Arizona, and I, there's, I would say, a 99% chance they're not going to franchise tag him. So he's going to be a free agent, could end up somewhere where he can finally get the workload and uh, and everything we've hoped we would be able to see out of him the past couple years. On Miami's side, it traded him away. I know we've talked about it a little bit. Just want to throw it back out there in case you haven't listened to the past podcast. Me and Matt both think Mark Walton has flex-worthy upside RB2, but more likely going to be a flex play every single week the rest of the season being the being uh, being pretty much the workhorse back there in Miami. Do you have anything you want to add on the Mark Walton side? No, and he gets a great matchup this week because the Jets have not been very good. Yeah. I'm actually playing them as an RB2 in uh, my Vampire League. As am I. I've got him. I was just setting my lineups right before you called me, actually. And so I've got him going in a couple. So I have a couple more lineups to go through, but I've got him going, I think, in three or four leagues right now. So I do agree with you as well. He's got a good matchup. Uh, the next couple trades are all pretty much non-relevant to fantasy, but we'll go through them real quick. Jannard Avery from the Browns to the Eagles for a fourth in 2021. I personally hated this trade. Uh, I thought every hate uh, has a lot of upside, and I'm not 100% sure why the Browns traded him away. Uh, do you have any thoughts? I think Eagles get a steal here, by the way. I think he's going to clearly outproduce his fourth-round pick next year, or two years draft, technically. Um, what uh, you have any thoughts on this trade, Matt? It's just kind of weird. Everybody was waiting for the Eagles to improve their secondary. Yeah. Uh, and the one trade they make isn't a secondary player, but, you know, uh, they must have a vision. Be interesting to see what he does. The Rams got Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville for two ones and a four. We knew that uh, coming. The next trade, I'm going to bring it up because I feel like that had something to do with that trade. And Marcus Peters getting shipped to Baltimore. Uh, for Kenny Young, which I thought Kenny Young, great young linebacker as well. So to get him back, I think is, uh, good for the Rams. They obviously got Jalen Ramsey and they traded away, um, my goodness. To, is, Akeem Tlaib. Akeem Tlaib, yes, to Miami as well, which, as you brought Which was up, really for Jalen Ramsey because yes. he's an IR player. It was kind of just a salary dump. Yeah, go ahead and, and touch on that because you're the one who brought that up to me. So go ahead and, and, and explain everybody that move and why they did that. Yeah, so Tlaib's in the last year of his deal, um, you know, an older player already on IR probably wasn't a long-term piece of the Rams' uh, future. So for Miami, who's a team that has salary cap that's not really trying to be competitive this year, they take Tlaib's salary, but they also get a fifth-round pick. So the Rams basically paying a draft pick away, which it has to make it look like I, I think the Rams are going to be lucky if they have two picks in this upcoming draft. They're really <laughs> all in. Uh, right now, and they have been re-signing uh, a lot of their players. You know, Goff re-signed. Uh, they've re-signed Donald Higby, Gurley. their tight end. They have yeah. Gurley signed. They had signed Cooks. They have, uh, I believe, Cup still under a long-term contract. So they've been signing pieces and stuff. And obviously, we saw for the Rams, their defense just got obliterated a couple of games in a row. Particularly bad was that home loss to the Buccaneers. And yeah. I think they looked at it like. We spent a lot on Tlaib, who's now on IR, and Marcus Peters, who doesn't seem like he's a great fit right now. Let's go out and get Jalen Ramsey. Let's try to make something happen. And then dumping Tlaib was kind of to give them the capital. Ramsey, obviously, a guy who's in a contract year, which is one of the reasons he wanted uh, that the Jaguars were happy to get rid of him. You know, they're going to try to re-sign him, so I think that helps the Rams. Marcus Peters, I thought that was an underrated addition to Baltimore because we talked about their defense had not looked very good. In the first game in Baltimore, Peters seemed to be playing with a chip on his shoulder, rejuvenated, you know, had a pick six. Now they've had a bye week. He has even more time to put it in there. If Baltimore can improve its defense uh, and get it up closer to where it was last year, its offense is whether you think they're going to stay at the level they were at the beginning of the season or not better than it was when they were first learning how to play with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I know this is going to hurt you, but they have a pretty clear path to winning their division and getting in the playoffs. 
So I thought it was a really savvy set of moves for a couple of teams. What was interesting was that the Peters trade went first, and people were like, oh, my God, why are the Rams – what are the Rams doing? And then you see the Ramsey deal. So it's kind of the, that cascade where I think it helps really three teams. You know, now the Rams can focus on Ramsey and have a, a corner piece in their secondary. The Ravens needed to do something to spark their defense. They seem to have done that. And Miami collects draft pick. They don't care about the salary they could throw to leave out there. If they want to improve their defense, he's a guy that's going to play hard. He will have been familiar with Brian Flores because he had been part of that New England uh, defense, and that's where Flores comes from. So I, I thought that was that has actually ended up being some interesting savvy trades. They don't impact fantasy a ton, but yeah. uh, I think it's been interesting for actual NFL. Yeah, yeah, that I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like uh, when you were talking about Miami technically buying that fifth round pick, exactly what a John Dorsey did with the Browns a couple of years ago, taking Brock Osweiler, and and they pretty much paid. Uh, they took all of his salary from I think it was Houston or was that the Broncos' salary? I can't uh, I can't remember who paid. Was it was the Broncos actually paid him, and then they traded him into Houston? Or was it Houston that paid him? Paid who? Uh, Brock Osweiler. Oh yeah, Houston um, paid Brock Osweiler, gotcha, okay. and when they they didn't they shipped him to, to um, so to Denver resigned him after he got cut. I think he went to Miami well, too. Yeah, well, Cleveland took him after, and they took oh, on yeah, his Cleveland. salary. Yeah, for the second round pick. That's what I was saying. They they did pretty much the same thing Miami yeah, did. That they were the first ones that did it. Uh, so I agree with you on the Miami side. For Baltimore, like I said, I, I I liked it too. They really improved their secondary. They're trying to improve that defense. It was actually interesting. If you go back and look at Marcus Peters, every time he's been traded to a new team, in that first game he gets a pick six, which I thought the first time with the Chiefs, the Rams, and now in the, with the Ravens as well, which is pretty amazing. He's just. He's a very good cornerback. His problem is he either makes a big play or he gives up a big play. I think it's his biggest issue, and we saw that a lot with the Rams. They get a guy in a lockdown cornerback in Jalen Ramsey, who you, obviously with the moves they're making, they're trying to find a way to pay him. He's going to be a great addition for that defense. I agree with what you said. Not a lot for fantasy there, uh, but NFL-wise, three teams, three good moves, and, and improving all of them. Like I said, I really like Kenny Young as well. I think he's an up-and-coming linebacker that could really help out that linebacking core uh, there in Los Angeles. Uh, the Rams also added Austin Corbett from the Browns for a fifth-round pick. I, I don't know really much about this one. I know the Rams' offensive line has been struggling. Corbett really did nothing in Cleveland. I would think says yeah. a lot about him and the fact that they shipped him out having their own offensive line issues as well. But maybe he just needed a new change of scenery. Uh, you know, Hopefully he turns it around there in, in Los Angeles. I don't think much for me there. What about you, Matt? Yeah, same. I think the Rams just need depth and players. They've they've had some injuries and some inefficiencies, so see what happens. All right, these next two actually have some fantasy uh, relevance here. We obviously know Muhammad Sanu went to the Patriots for a second. I'm not really sold on this being a big move. Uh, I really feel like I know we've talked about a lot. The Patriots really seem to be more run-heavy than anything this year. I think it's going to be all Edelman, and we've even seen Dorsett now with Gordon being on IR. He's not coming back likely to the Patriots. Uh, I think it's really going to be Edelman and Dorsett. I don't see Sanu bringing a lot of value this year. Maybe next year. We do know he's he's on a – I can't remember how long his deal is, but but he'll be with New England for a couple of years now. Uh, so maybe next year he takes more of a step forward, but I don't see much for him outside of maybe a low-end wide receiver three. What about you? Yeah, that would probably be the max upside, and it really felt like a radical overpay for kind of a middling older receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, a second-round pick, especially a lot has been made, the Patriots – maximize their value and they've made more out of second and third round picks than a lot of other teams so pretty high draft capital uh considering the team for a guy i you know the move made no sense when they did it it made a little more sense when they announced gordon to ir really makes you think they don't have any plans to integrate Nikhil harry in any kind of meaningful way this year even if he comes back off of ir because um, the slots are kind of getting filled up. Yeah. Just a, just an interesting uh, thing. Uh, you know, the Patriots, their wide receivers, this entire year has been a real roller coaster. I think this is the most unsettled and the most high-name talent that you've seen cycle through. You know, we talked about this a little bit. They've, they've run through Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, who's <laughs> definitely not coming back. They basically... 
uh, when they put him on IR, have already noted that when he's healthy, they're going to yeah. release him. Next week, I um, believe. Yeah, be curious to see if he goes anywhere. Curious to see why they, you know, they they seemed to invest in him and, and stuck with him even when most people didn't think he'd ever come back to yeah. play. Um, I didn't think he had played particularly bad. You hadn't heard any rumblings about uh, off-field behavior. He, by his reaction on social media, seemed also surprised yeah. that they were cutting bait with him. <laughs> and to cut bait with him and blow a second-round pick on Snoo, who had, you know, he hadn't done anything with Atlanta. So, I don't know. It's a weird move. Yeah, so let, let's stick with the Patriots side first, then we'll move on to Atlanta. On the Patriots side, you obviously talked about Nikhil Harry. I'm with you. I feel like may, maybe we see something later in the year, but I think the move for Sanu kind of makes it that's they're, – they're sticking with those top three that we just talked about, Dorsett, Edelman, and Sanu. So I'm not expecting much out of Nikhil Harry. Obviously, if you're in a dynasty league, you're holding on to him. He, they picked him in the first round. He has upside. We'll see what happens with him next year, but this is probably going to be kind of a lost year for him. On the Gordon side, I'm with you. It's going to be very interesting to see where he goes. Uh, there were a lot of rumors I saw that they just didn't trust him off-field. Now, I don't know if that meant they thought something else might have happened. We obviously saw... Really, last year leading into the playoffs, there was no rumors or hints about anything going on, and then just one day, Gordon was just done again. It was one of those, hey, we're done. I, I had an issue off-field, the drug test stuff or whatever, and then he was he was out. So maybe we're going to hear something like that again here soon. I don't know, but I did hear a lot of talk on different radio stations that that led to a lot of it, that they just couldn't trust Gordon. We do know that that is a big deal with Bill Belichick, so maybe they're just, they are just want to get rid of him because they don't want to deal with it anymore. He is a very talented wide receiver. I don't know if we ever see out of him what we saw that one year in Cleveland. Again, it just doesn't seem uh, like he's ever going to get yeah. back to that. I still think he's got wide receiver three upside. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think that may be really the case. Maybe they were looking around saying, you know, if what we're going to get from Josh Gordon is the same as what we could get from a Mohamed Sanu, and we know that Mohamed Sanu is less likely to come unhinged right before the playoffs, maybe that was just a, we're just going to part ways. You know, the Patriots have historically uh, been ahead of the curve in releasing guys. Sometimes it's a touch early, but knowing the right time to move on before somebody really goes downhill or becomes a problem. And I, I'm not convinced there's a place that's running out to pick Josh Gordon up yeah. at this point in time, because, you know, sometimes everybody now knows that that's the situation with the Patriots and, you know, is Gordon going to want to go, you know, the teams you think might take a run at him or teams that are struggling or aren't going anywhere. Will he want to go there? You know, yeah, well, see, so the one thing I'll say with Gordon is I would think he's almost going to go, I guess it depends on how many teams reach out to him. If, if you only have, like, one or two teams reaching out to you, if you want to play, I'd imagine you're going to sign this year. I, I don't think they he lets it go any longer than that, but we'll see. We I know, I believe the reports were that they will, he can be, whatever it is, reactivated and then released uh, week 10, and I believe that's what it is. Yep. So that is next week. So we'll see, we'll know pretty quickly what's going to happen with Gordon. I own him in a bunch of dynasty leagues. I'm holding on to him just because I want to see what happens with him again. I still think yeah. he's a good wide receiver, very talented. Depending on where he ends up, could could change his prospects a lot. We need to see it first. I, I don't know where he could go, but there's no point in dropping someone that talented just yet until we find out what happens with them. On uh on Atlanta's side, so Sanu had been having a couple good games here recently. Had a bad game, but actually the week before he got traded to New England, but would seem to be getting integrated more into the offense. I think for Atlanta's side, this just improves Ridley's stock even more because now you know he's the third option behind Julio and Hooper. There's no more having to worry about him fighting with Sanu. So if you're a Calvin Ridley owner, you've been happy, in my opinion, since Sanu got traded because it's clearly Julio, Hooper, Ridley now for me in that passing game. Do you agree with that yeah i think well devonta freeman i would put ahead of ridley okay. i really think the big three in their passing game which we've seen the last few weeks have been um jones hooper and uh freeman coming out of the backfield but ridley probably among wide receivers gets a bump <clears throat> i think really atlanta it's a lost season and they aren't going to be able to do anything until they improve their defensive back end and their offensive line. So collecting a second round pick uh, for a guy that 
probably isn't part of your long-term vision seem like a, a really big win for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially with as heavy as uh, this draft is in defensive and skill position players, I have a feeling some offensive linemen who are really good could get pushed down in the draft. And if Atlanta could get get a guy in the second round, that would be good for them. Uh, the other uh, only other fantasy-worthy one is Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth to San Francisco for a third and a fourth. Uh, on Denver's side, I liked it. I mean, well, I'll, I'll let you go after. I'll let you go and give your big one, uh, big explanation. Obviously, because you're the Broncos fan. Uh, for my side, uh, I liked it for Denver, a third and a fourth round pick for a guy that probably wasn't going to re-sign there. I like the wide receiver core they have with Deshaun and Cortland to to round it out. I think Fant's going to be good. Uh, so I like that for them. And then from San Francisco side, I like it as well. I feel like that finally gives them that wide receiver one that they've kind of been missing all season. And to pay a three and four for it for a team that's likely, I mean, not likely, is going to be in the playoffs unless we see some huge meltdown. Uh, so it's going to be likely back end picks in those round as well. Those rounds as well, I think, was a great move for them. Uh, but what about your thoughts? Go go ahead and give San Francisco first because I feel like that'll be short and sweet. And then give us your take on, on the Broncos whole thing and, and the package they got. Yeah, I mean, I liked it for both teams, too. I think for San Francisco, they're trying to focus. They're a legit contender right now, and uh, they had rolled through a little bit with their dif- different wide receivers. You'd seen guys come up and come down. I still like Samuels long-term, but uh, you know, I think he's not ready to be the w- number one. Dante Pettis is what he is. You know, They've had a lot of people. I think this gives clear, uh, defined number one receiver, a guy that's explosive, very talented, can do a lot of things, same kind of offensive scheme. So it made a lot of sense for them. I think it makes a lot of sense for Denver, too. Sanders, an older player, was... <coughs> you know, kind of vocally displeased with his role in the offense and the offense in general, which wasn't great for their locker room last year of a deal. It was pretty widely accepted that he would not be somebody they would be trying to resign as they go younger at the position. So to get a third and a fourth back uh, seems pretty good. Yeah, like I said, I, I like it for both teams as well. I think it's, it's a great move on both parts and, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see what Denver does with those picks next year. Very, uh, as I said, very loaded class when it comes to offensive skill players, defensive players as well. And we know Vic Fangio, the defensive head coach that he is. I mean, it could be very interesting to see what they end up with on those two picks. The last two trades we've got here, again, not much for, for fantasy, but Gary on Conley goes to the Houston Texans for a third, and Quandry Diggs in a seventh goes to Seattle for a fifth. Uh, you know, just, I, I guess, probably good moves on both sides here. Gary on Conley, Texans helping a, a pretty beat up and weak secondary for the Texans. And then same with, with Diggs going over to Seattle. Do you have any thoughts on either one of these moves? Yeah, I think, you know, Houston, obviously, the AFC is wide open and the AFC South is wide open. They're trying to seize upon an area of weakness. They lost a lot of secondary players and, you know, pay dividends already. Conley, against his former team, the Raiders, made a big play when the Raiders were trying to come back last week. That was kind of key in the victory. Um, Diggs, I know, was a, it was kind of surprising to me uh, that the Lions – uh, we're willing to move a player like that. And I know that uh, they said a lot of people in the Lions locker room were really stunned and bummed that he moved. Uh, uh-huh. So a little bit interesting. But obviously Seattle wanted to get some help. Uh, Tedrick went on uh, IR again this week. And you know the Seahawks are definitely contenders in a tough division, a division where you're going to want to have uh, strong defensive players all throughout the field. So I think these are just teams kind of loading up to try to take their shot. Yeah, like I said, I mean, good moves, I guess, for really for for all three teams involved. Like I, said, I really did uh, also like the Gary on Conley trade. I, I liked Gary on Conley, obviously a Buckeye. Uh, hasn't quite played as well as I thought he was going to in the NFL, but I thought good move for them, as you said, pretty – Pretty interesting that he comes up and makes a big play against his former team, which I believe that he got traded like less than a week before they even played each other, which was kind of funny as well. Uh, so, so great moves all around from there. As I said, we were hoping for bigger, better news. Obviously, that didn't happen. I know a lot of uh, NFL people were still talking about, well, look at all these moves that were made. I mean, really not quite what we were expecting, especially with some of the names that got floated out there. I mean... I know I think like leading up to the hour before the deadline, you had DJ trade news, Darius Slay, Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell. So there was thoughts that it could be a Melvin much bigger. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Gordon. It could have been a much bigger deadline than it was. Regardless, a, a bunch of teams made a lot of good moves. Really out of looking at all those trades, 
there was not one that I looked at that I thought was just a was a bad trade all around. I mean, the only one that we even really questioned, I guess, was the Leonard Williams trade and, and why the Giants did it. And Jannard Avery, I still think was a good trade, but we know the Eagles needed secondary help, so why bring in a, a defensive line slash linebacker? But regardless, after that, all the other trades, fairly decent trades. So interesting trade deadline this year. We'll see what happens with all of these guys. Let's uh unfortunately now it might be better if all you listeners just end the podcast here uh, because that's really all the best information you're going to get cuz now me and Matt will jump in and we'll we'll talk about the uh the sorrow fest that is going to be the Sunday afternoon game between the Browns and the Broncos. We eating all day, bro. <laughs> So the Browns are going in here with uh, 3.5 points, or being given 3.5 points. This is really just the home field advantage thing for the Broncos. It's really not giving any points. They're pretty much saying it's a pick em game. Uh, and the Broncos are being given the 59% chance to win this game. So let's talk about it, Matt. How, how do you want to approach this? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm terrified to get my hopes up for this game. Where do you want to go with this game first? And let's just talk about what we think is going to happen. Well, I think first we have to talk about the fact that uh, Denver's new starting quarterback. I don't know if you've looked at the official picture that's on ESPN. He looks like he just rolled out of a Zoolander sequel. Oh, um, okay. And Very then you nice. had Chris Harris. They asked him yesterday, how, you know, what do you think of Brandon Allen? He said, I don't think it's fair to make judgments on a practice squad guy. I'm not going to do him like that. Which, you know, I think Harris was trying to be noble. Yeah. But, of course, that clip, not confidence-inspiring and has ended up probably going exactly the opposite of what he was trying to do, which was not throw anyone under the bus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that, that yeah, that, that would kind of hurt, I think, if you're Brandon Allen. You're probably just like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like, I guess, he didn't, <laughs> I guess he didn't say anything bad about me, so you can look at it that way, right? Um, before we continue with this, and just want to— you know what? Uh, you got it backwards. Cleveland is— uh, giving two and a half points. So you're a clear favorite because Denver's the home team there. Denver is plus 2.5. Oh, okay. My bad. I was looking at that. Where? Let me see here. I, I know. I had to go look it up. I'm like, I thought this morning oh, it just when changed. I looked. Well, it actually just changed again. Well, I was looking on ESPN. So on ESPN, yeah, they're I'm being given. Yeah, I'm looking at ESPN right now. They're being given four points is what I see on ESPN. Let me see here. Yeah, Cleveland. Oh, I was four. looking at spread picks. and pick Oh, them, gotcha. So. Yeah, I was just looking at the. The ESPN main page. It's well. It was literally just three point five a minute ago, and now it is four points. So, I mean, well, the funny thing is, is so regardless, that does say that Cleveland is favored, but then the FPI has them has Denver projected to win fifty nine percent. So I was like, that doesn't. I know. It's it, crazy. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Nobody knows what to make of either of these teams because um, you know it's been total. I, I'm sure you feel somewhat similar but it's been total Jekyll and Hyde yeah. act uh, for Denver because I had hopes going into the beginning of the season and they looked uh, abominable at times in the first four weeks and then I had kind of written them off and they go into Los Angeles and roll the Chargers then they destroyed the Titans and I thought hey you know this team might actually be poised to do something and they just get flat blown out and embarrassed by Matt Moore at home on a Thursday night for Kansas city. And so I'm like, well, no, they are who I thought they were last week. They actually played pretty well. You know, Jacoby Brissett after the game said it was the toughest defense he'd faced. So it's like, I don't know what to make of this team. I feel like Denver and, and Cleveland are going to be perfectly matched because we're both enigmatic in the same ways. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I, I think we talked about it on Tuesdays. It was Tuesday or Monday's podcast. It's like it's just going to come down to which team finds a way to lose this game because I don't think either one of them is going to go out and win it. We've just seen Denver not necessarily go out and lose games, but just the way that they've kind of in a way – like really 
we were talking about earlier in the season, there was a chance they could have been a 3-0, and I think, or at least 2-0. and They kind of really got screwed in those first two games with some bad calls and then the field goals. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, has just been giving away games left and right like, left and right, like it's Halloween every Sunday for them because they're just giving away free ball, free plays to everybody. They're they're throwing picks and fumbling the ball to everybody. Yeah, I mean, you got a false start every other play, so it's just been ridiculous. Uh, I don't... I think the defenses are going to be obviously what ends up winning this game. I know we talked about it a little bit more the other day. I mean, the Broncos' defense has been fairly fairly good. They struggled against the run early. Really seems like the the past couple of games they've done a good job of correcting that. The Browns, same thing. They've been really good against the pass. Struggled against the run the past couple of games. Have actually kind of held the run fairly well. So I do think that leads more to how how are you feeling about Philip Lindsay and or Royce Freeman going up against this Browns defense that again has been given up uh, up until the past two games a fair amount of yards and, and touchdowns to the running back. Yeah, and I think you know you're going to need to lean on the run. Um, Philip Lindsay is questionable. Waiting to see what reports are going to be today, but he was limited on Wednesday with a wrist injury. That kind of makes me concerned because uh, obviously the the wrist hand injury is what ended things for him last year. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he's still just a, a spark plug and a better athlete. Um, I, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I would think, you know, with Brandon Allen out there having uh, been Blake Bortles' career backup at this point and never having thrown an NFL pass that uh, you guys will probably be loading up against the run. Um, which would make some sense. Yeah. But, you know, it, it Denver, to me, has been an impossible team to handicap. I think you probably feel the same way about your team. You, some of the losses, obviously, week one against the Raiders just got completely blown out, looked like they, they didn't even exist. And then week two, probably should have beaten Chicago, probably could have, should have beaten the Jaguars. Um, you know, we've had three losses on last second kicks um which is frustrating and heartbreaking um you know they've struggled with some health and not uh not you know we still haven't seen bryce callahan play a single down for denver the one of their big free agent acquisitions in the secondary um but it should be a fun game you know chris harris was talking about looking forward to playing beckham uh, and, you know, I know you guys have some line issues. It'll be interesting to see what Vaughn and Derek Wolf, uh, you know, a lot of the Broncos big defensive pieces were rumored to be traded. A lot of them seem really thrilled that they weren't. And now it's even swung the other way where Denver's talking about it has been in negotiations to possibly re-sign Harris to a long-term contract. So it's been a roller coaster of emotions. Quarterback, just the real the real question mark and Brandon Allen, honestly, nobody has had more pressure than him. Not just, uh, because, you know, he's coming in and starting an NFL game, but a lot of the fan base here was, has been agitating for weeks to get drew Locke activated and out wow. there. And the fact that they're talking about not even letting Locke practice until after the bye week and not activating him until deeper into the season, and that Brandon Allen's going to be the starter for the foreseeable future. If if that guy gets off to a slow start, it is going to be brutal at home. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, as you just talked about, the, the Browns' offensive line issues, obviously that defensive line and those linebackers for Denver are scary. You still got to be throwing Chubb out there fantasy-wise. He's, he's going to – I, I've said many times I think he's the best player on the Browns offense and the guy you kind of have to build the offense through. I'm terrified to play Odell this week. I mean, we've seen Harris has locked down everybody that he's played, so I'm not expecting a big game out of Odell. I'm actually sitting him in one of my dynasty leagues. I do have three really good options, so I imagine you probably don't have better options than Odell, so you're playing him and hoping for a big game, but... I wouldn't think it's going to happen. It's, it's For me, I think it's, as I said earlier, it's going to come down to the defense and, and the running game. I know, uh, obviously, you guys have Brandon Allen. We have Baker, but I don't know if you could say Baker's been much better than Brandon Allen, even though we haven't seen anything from him. Uh, but uh, I, I just... It's going to be a very – I feel like it's going to be a very frustrating game for, for me to watch because you would think – Going into mile high, no, again, it is, it's never easy to play at mile high either. The Broncos have a clear home field advantage when it comes to that part. 
But going in and you're thinking, okay, the Browns defense has played good all season long. You have all these big names on offense, and you're going up against a, a quarterback like Brandon Allen, who who's not taking a snap at all this year. Everybody looks at it as a game as a game you should win. And I have a feeling like maybe it'll turn out like the Jets game where the Browns end up winning it, but it's not convincing at all. So I'm honestly worried about it, but at this point, something we've talked about, the Browns realistically have a shot to run off seven straight wins here with the schedule they have. So if they really want to do that, if they want to put any kind of pressure on Baltimore uh, and try and, and win this division, it starts this week. You have to get this win in Denver. It's a team that is clearly not trying, or not, I shouldn't say not trying to win this year, but they're playing for next year now with everything that's happened with their quarterback, some of the trades they've made, injuries, losing Chubb was huge on that defensive line. You, as you said, you haven't even had the, the offensive lineman you guys paid a ton of money to in the offseason play a down yet. So you guys are playing now for 2020. The Browns, you need to come in and win this game. You can't play for, I mean, I guess you, I can't say you can't play for 2020 because I feel like that's what you're playing for as a Browns fan. But you have to come in and win this game. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not at all sold that it's going to happen. Uh, I, I almost picked the Broncos this morning when I sent in picks, but I just I couldn't do it because I always pick the Browns. So regardless of whether or not I think they're going to win or not, I always pick them. So it'll be a tough game for me. I'm assuming you're going Broncos in this one. Yeah, I think I picked Denver. I feel like the most fitting outcome is going to be something like a 13-13 tie. Yeah, that would really suck. If it's 13-13 tie, just know, just know right now there will not be a podcast on Monday because things will be broken at my house, and typ- <laughs> it typically means expensive stuff because I'm not smart when I go and break stuff. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll be texting back and forth throughout the game. I can't wait. I was actually going to go up for the game. Uh, this weekend, but I couldn't get off on Monday. Both uh, both my parents and my younger brother are actually going out to the game. I was trying to get up there and uh, to go to the game as well, but since I couldn't get off on Monday, the flying up there and then flying back uh, late night and yeah. then trying to get up and go to work at 3 o'clock in the morning was not going to be easy. So, But uh, I hope it's a good game. I hope for our sakes it's more like a 24-27 game where it's actually interesting. Brandon Allen plays pretty good for you guys, and uh, all around yeah. is a very good game, but uh if not, there's at least some good games on the schedule, so I can flip back and forth to, to something else. So we got that going for us. I don't even know if I want Brandon Allen to play well, because personally, I worry if Brandon Allen looks good, they'll they'll never activate Locke. And at this point in time, it you know you talked about Denver, a team clearly playing for next year. They should be a team clearly yeah. playing for next year. But everything you hear out of their leadership is well, we're trying to win games right now. We're looking at no, you're two and six. You suck. Put Joe Flacco on IR. Activate Drew Locke. We need to put him out there and see what he looks like. Because if it looks like he's not the guy, then you need to go draft a quarterback again. If he looks like he's going to be fine, then you you need to go draft all your other positional holes. I just, you know, Brandon Allen. That's probably my nightmare is that he comes in and looks good, and then he's the <laughs> starter for the rest of the season. No offense, you know. This, no. It no, looks like I, Zoolander's cousin out there, you know, because I'm fairly confident he's not the future. But this is uh, the team that you know rolled Trevor Simeon for two years in a row. Yeah. So, no, I do, I do agree with that actually, because this is the one thing I'll say is we do know likely the Broncos will be have a a decent pick. I would say probably would based on what the yeah. like we just said the injuries and the way their team has been this year, you're likely going to get a decent pick. This is a very good quarterback class, so I'm with you. I would. If I were the Broncos, um, I understand playing Allen this week. I'm activating Locke, letting him roll into the bye week, getting all the first-team reps, and then throwing him out there as soon as you guys get back out of the bye week and seeing what you have because yeah. if he's not the guy, then I, I'm one of those people where with the way the rookie contracts have, have moved to, I don't know how many people, how many older people are listening to this. Uh, we all know, obviously, the way that rookie contracts used to be structured. And then when you would get a first-round pick, you were almost tied to them throughout their entire contract, just based yeah. on how much money you were paying. And where that's changed now, I'm with you. If you don't think Locke's the guy, draft a quarterback next year. There's a bunch of good ones coming out. Draft them until you find the guy that's yours. Once you get that guy, then worry about building the team around him. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I hope for your sake as well that they go to Locke sooner rather than later. I have him on a lot of teams because I was kind of high on Locke coming out of uh, college as well. I think he could be a very good quarterback for you guys. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing him out there as well. I was hoping that he would get a shot uh, to play here soon, and I'm hoping they don't stick with Brandon Allen at all. Yeah. Uh, you never know. But I'll look forward to our uh, our sad 
text messages. My my wife went to go visit her family, so I'm by myself, which gotcha. means that uh, I can do all of the uh, vocal coaching that I wish to do on Sunday. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's not. You know, I'll just I'll share a quick story really quick. Uh, everybody knows, or most people know that follow me on Twitter, that I had the, the death in the family. I've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast. Uh, so my brother and his fiance were here uh, with us. We were doing a bunch of family stuff and everything, and, and uh, she had cursed in front of my kids on accident. It was just kind of like a, I don't mind, I, I mark it explicit anyway. She said shit uh, in front of my kids, and, and she got all, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, and I'm like, Catherine. I was like, you, you, you've seen the way I talk during Browns fan, Browns games. Like, you know they've heard worse. She's like, yeah, actually, you got a really good point there. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, the worst part about it is I do it if there's people in the house or not. It doesn't matter. Like, my wife has had friends over, and you would think I'm I, I'm cursing. I'm trying to think of who's a really bad head coach when it comes to to language and everything. You would think, like, I'm, I'm – this is a bad comparison because it's basketball, but you would think I'm Bob Knight out there. Like, I'm the, the, the players can actually hear me as I'm yelling at the TV because it's not pleasant. Uh, that's why I prefer to watch games at home, and I don't like to go out to places because yeah. it's not – even when I was at the Denver Broncos game last year, even though the Browns came away victorious, the the Broncos defense was just bullying Baker the whole game. And it's very hard to sit there and yell and do stuff uh, when you're in the presence of a bunch of other people. So, like, I had, like, a whole, like, cut on my lip for me biting my lips so hard and everything. Like, it's not fun. So, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to the yelling at my TV again either on Sunday, but I guess that comes with the territory of being a Browns fan at this point. So, I uh, I look forward to talking to you again on Monday. Hopefully one of us is in a good mood and it's not a whole we tied because then I just feel like the whole podcast, I'm like, yeah, I get so it's whatever. <laughs> well, we'll save that for Tuesday. That We'll try and break down as many games on Monday so it's a good podcast, especially if they tie, and then we'll just save Tuesday for like a couple games because it's just going to be like a whatever. So, But I, <laughs> I, look, I look forward to talking to you on Monday. I hope you have a good weekend, and I will talk to you soon, buddy. All right, take it easy. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. <laughs>